The transforming power of Jesus Christ is truly on display in the lives of those who have traded selfishness for selflessness. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, we read, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Peter is telling all followers of Christ to recognize that we are speaking and serving others on behalf of God. We are Christ's ambassadors. What a privilege! And it is God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives the ability and strength for us to do so. What a blessing! When we direct any glory towards God instead of accepting it for ourselves, we move in the complete opposite direction from those whose MO is simply, what's in it for me? That difference in our lives causes people to examine the life-changing nature of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It validates our faith to those around us. In Romans 12:1, Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul is so passionate in his expression to those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. He knows it only makes sense to honor him by serving others because of what he has done for us. It's only reasonable that we would obediently serve others with gratitude to the One, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has provided the greatest service of all, salvation from our sin, a life of partnership with Christ, and the blessed gift of eternal life with him. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Cross Church. Great to have you here. Uh, as you can tell, Pastor Allen is away this week, but I have some good news. I'm sure you'll be very happy to hear, and I am very happy to know that he will be back with us next Sunday. So let's pray that uh, Pastor Allen and Gloria have a great rest of their vacation and come back refreshed, ready for the busy last few months of the year that are ahead of us. So this morning, we're not speaking specifically uh, looking into the book of Acts, as we had been doing previously, the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. But Pastor Allen, again, will definitely be continuing that series when he returns to us next Sunday morning. So again, Pastor Allen has preached pretty much every week since July, July 10. He preached through the entire summer series. And I'm sure you remember, it was so powerful, wasn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. You know, what happens in us? and through us as Christians, the great transformative work of the Holy Spirit. And going back even a little bit further, back to the springtime, our spring small group series, I'm sure you remember the series that Pastor Allen did on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I have to tell you, there was a verse in there, in that series that really stuck with me, and I am constantly reminded of it. You know, hey, God's word is so powerful, isn't it? No matter how many times you read it or how many times you hear it or listen, God is revealing new understanding to us and helping us to grow as followers of Christ through his word. Well, as I mentioned, this verse has stuck with me since the springtime, and it was also a key verse that was used during the summer series, the Fruit of the Spirit series. 
And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 2, he writes this, and we're going to start at verse 12. He says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And here's the great verse. For God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let, let me read that one more time. So work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in me. He's working in you through the Holy Spirit. You know, many of us have been Christians for some time, and you may be thinking, well, hey, you're not exactly sharing a big news flash here or some shocking breaking news like Pastor Andrew just got engaged. And again, hey, congratulations to them. That really, really is exciting for him and Emily. But this morning, thinking about God living inside of us, even as a seasoned follower of Jesus, you know, I pray it's not just a simple reminder here today for each one that is a serious Christ follower. You know, this news should always, always be exciting. Amen? It should fill us with joy and refresh us constantly to think the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, lives inside of me, lives inside of you. Listen, back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, when the Israelites were about to cross into the promised land, Moses makes an announcement that he won't be going with them and that Joshua now would be their new leader. And God, through Moses, gives great encouragement to his people. Remember how the Israelites, they were so afraid to go into the promised land initially because of the big giants that were living there. Well, God, through Moses, now tells his people in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. And listen to the promise God made to his people thousands of years ago. He said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. What an amazing promise. And now Jesus, he is promising the same thing, that God will always be with us. John 14, 26, this is in the Amplified Version. Jesus says, but the helper, or the comforter, the advocate, uh, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, these are all names for the Holy Spirit. This is who the Father will send in my name. And he will come in my place at, to represent me and to act on my behalf. And he will teach you all things. He will help you in all things. And he will help you remember everything that I have told you. God promised he will never, never leave us or forsake us. And now, praise God, he lives inside of us. We can lean on him in everything. We don't want to have to live this life alone. We don't do it in our own power or our own strength or intelligence. The almighty God is working in us and through us. And he's the one that is ultimately giving us the desire and the power to do what God wants us to do. Praise God for that. Now, in case there's anyone wondering, well, how does the Holy Spirit come to live inside of us? How do Christians have God 
living inside of them. Well, we first have to understand the miracle of salvation and what we need to be saved from. I think we would all agree that this is a very broken and a very hurting world. And people search high and they search low for the reason of this brokenness and try to find the answers. And because people don't want to recognize God, they ignore him and they do life their own way. You know, the truth is beneath it all, whatever is promoted as a possible reason, the problem really is a spiritual one. We have decided to live our own life and follow our own rules. We have not valued a relationship with God. And the Bible calls this sin. We are turning away from God, turning from his ways, and we do life our own way. And it's because of this sin, this turning our backs on God, that the work, uh, that, sorry, that the world has become so broken and hurting and, and so hostile, really. And not only hostile towards other people, but hostile towards God. The Bible plainly tells us that the consequence of this sin is doing life our own way. It not only leads to death, but it leads to eternal separation from God. But the good news this morning is that God loves us so much. He's always, always willing to forgive us. He doesn't want to leave us broken. And God's son, Jesus, he is the perfect solution to our sin problem. Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And when we come to him, admitting that we've gone our own way, and we ask him to forgive us, and we ask to have a personal relationship with him, that we want him to show us how to live, he will do just that. We have to admit that our sinfulness has broken us, that we want to stop trusting in ourselves, and we want to put our trust in God. You know, when we have a personal, a personal relationship with God, we will experience peace and the joy and the hope that a life lived for Jesus brings us. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the wonderful story of who he is and what he has done. In 1 John 2, 2, it says, Jesus Christ is the only one who is truly righteous. Jesus himself is the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that atones for our sin, that saves us from the death that we deserve because of our sin. Jesus has provided a way so God's hatred of our sin can be appeased, his wrath can be satisfied. Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice, the perfect payment for our sin. And now, when we truly believe this, and we want to turn from our own sinful nature, and we want to give God control of our lives, God then comes to give us this gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. God now comes to live inside each and every person who repents, who turns from their sin, and now desires for God to lead them through life, desires to obey God moment by moment. So now as someone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and is following him, when we read Philippians 2.13, it brings joy to our hearts. It encourages us to continue on. In the Amplified Bible, again, if you haven't noticed, I enjoy reading from the Amplified Bible, but when we read Philippians 2.13, there it says, for it is not your strength, but it is God's strength, which comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit that is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work at strengthening you 
encouraging you, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill his purpose for you. And that is all for his, for God's good pleasure. As we submit our lives to Christ, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us day by day. And as the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, the Holy Spirit then produces the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul notes that this isn't an exhaustive list that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Paul writes in Galatians 5.23 that against such things as these, there is no law, meaning there is no punishment for such behaviors as these. So what other behaviors could be included as fruit of the Holy Spirit? How do we see Jesus Christ living and behaving? Well, he was holy, righteous, pure. He was humble. He was generous. We talked about generosity last week. Compassionate, obedient to God. He was forgiving. He was wise, truthful, and and the list goes on. But there's one characteristic that Jesus portrayed and want to discuss this morning, and it is certainly a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's continue reading in uh, Philippians chapter 2. So we just read that it has to be God, the Holy Spirit, working in us. It's the only way we can do God's will. He alone can produce the power and the desire to do what pleases God. So Paul now continues in chapter 2 and verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Being faithful in our service to God, obediently serving God. Paul says serving God is like an offering to God. Faithful service is as precious to God as an acceptable offering. Not an offering to appease God's hatred for our sin. We do not have the capacity to do that. Again, that work was only possible through the sacrifice of God himself, through his only son, Jesus Christ. But here, Paul is talking about an offering to show our love and our devotion to God, that we are listening to him and we want to obey our father. I think most of us are aware of the story of Cain and Abel that we read in Genesis chapter 4. We read of this encounter that's between these two sons of Adam and Eve and their encounter with God. And starting at verse 3, it says, When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. But Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And why was that? God says clearly to Cain, just a few verses later in verse 7, he says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, sin 
is crouching at the door, eager to control you. You know, Pastor Allen says that faith is what? Let's say it together. Believing God and doing what he says. Let's try that one more time. Believing God and doing what he says. Yes, that's the definition of faith. So not only believing in God, but actually believing God, trusting him, and obeying him at all times. So Cain, he believed in God, but obviously did not do what God had told him to do. He didn't do what was right in the sight of God. He didn't obey. He didn't believe God and do what he says. And now, here in the letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul is he's telling the church, the Philippian church, telling these believers what is right in the sight of God, what will be acceptable to him. We see the Apostle Paul comparing faithful service, the faithful service of true believers to being an offering to God, an acceptable, worthy, righteous offering, just like what Abel had offered. Not an offering just for show or an offering that was half-hearted or based on our own qualifications, but an offering like Abel's that is given based on what God wants, what he tells us to do, what he requires. And that, of course, is the best, the best of what we have, the best of who we are given to God as an offering in obedience to him. Recently, a very prominent figure in the church world passed away. Many of you, I'm sure, would be familiar with him. The Bible smuggler famously known simply as Brother Andrew. He just passed away on September 27th at 94 years old. You know, he certainly led a life of giving his best to God, going to amazing lengths to share the gospel with others in some of the world's darkest places. Now, Brother Andrew was born in the Netherlands in 1928, and his real name, I hope I get this right, Anne van der Beel, and he was known to Christians worldwide for smuggling countless numbers of Bibles into communist countries where it was a high crime and really seemed impossible to do so. Now, Brother Andrew, when he was old enough, he decided to join the Dutch military. And he was really excited about this adventure that he was soon headed off to Indonesia, which at the time was fighting for its independence uh, from the Dutch rule. Now, by his own account, Brother Andrew was involved in a terrible battle in an Indonesian village. And he says he was really mentally scarred by the death of so many people in that battle. And after being wounded himself in that fighting, he found himself now recovering in a military hospital. And while he was there, he remembered that a Bible was in his belongings that his mother had packed for him. So he began to read it and read it again with more and more enthusiasm and more determination. And after getting back to health, he traveled home, back to the Netherlands, and he began attending church there. And one day in the early 1950s, you know, the gospel became so clear to him. His eyes, God opened his eyes to the truth, and he surrendered his life to Christ. Soon after, he made a promise to God and committed his life to ministry, to become a missionary. And so he went off to Scotland to study at a missionary school in 1953. And interestingly, in, a, in, a, in an interview he did about 10 years ago, Brother Andrew remembered one lesson 
that was about street evangelism that the school taught. And he remembers that the teacher said, we have to, have to be very calculating and very strategizing, all this planning in order to better target those who would be open to the message. And he estimated one in a thousand would respond. Well, you know, this really was not sitting very well with Andrew. And so he thought, you know, instead of spending all this time calculating and planning and strategizing, which isn't bad, but not all of it, he, he, he knew in his heart that instead of spending all that time and effort in his own strength, listen to this, he would simply follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit and rely on him to give him the desire and the power to share the gospel message. You know, can you imagine the concept of following the Holy Spirit being a novel idea at a missionary school? Well, anyway, uh, God spoke directly to Brother Andrew in spite of it on how he is going to move forward in his life in a very powerful way. And as he read the Bible and prayed, God was leading him on a different extreme adventure this time. The Holy Spirit was giving him the desire to reach out behind what was called the Iron Curtain. He was going to minister to people under communist control all across Eastern Europe and even into Asia. Now, the Iron Curtain, this term was used in describing the political boundary dividing Europe into two separate areas at the end of World War II. So on the east side of the Iron Curtain were the countries controlled in part by the Communist Soviet Union, and on the west side were the countries that were uh, NATO members or neutral countries. And this Iron Curtain was literally a 7,000 kilometer long physical barrier made up of fences, walls, minefields, army watchtowers, heavily armed soldiers, and very, very intensely controlled border crossings. And this is where Brother Andrew was going. This is the desire that the Holy Spirit gave him. Can you imagine? Well, to begin in 1955, he started out by taking a government-controlled tour of Poland. And on the tour, he was able to sneak away, and he went to visit the underground church, a group of believers there. And then on his second trip, he went to Czechoslovakia. And there he saw that underground churches were in desperate need of Bibles. And so Brother Andrew made a promise to God, praying, as often as I can lay my hands on a Bible, I will bring it to these children of God behind this wall. I'll go wherever God opens the door just long enough for me to slip through this iron curtain. So listen to this story, literally pouring his life out in service to God. You know, and he has dozens of amazing stories where God certainly gave him the power to carry out this desire that he had placed on his heart. But on this particular occasion, Brother Andrew, he was approaching the uh, Romanian border in his car, his little car. And this time his car was packed full of Bibles and Christian materials. He desperately hoped the border guards were moving too fast and would not pay too much attention to him as he came. But just as he was hoping that this would be the case, Brother Andrew saw the guards stop the car at the front of the short line in front of him. And as he watched, his fears grew. The vehicle's owners were forced to get out of the vehicle and take all of their contents and even spread them all over the ground for the guards to inspect. Each person and vehicle that was ahead of him received the same 
detailed inspection and treatment. You know, one car's inspection was so thorough, the border guard took a full hour to sift through it, he says. Even including removing the car's hubcaps, taking the engine apart, and even removing the seats. Dear Lord, Brother Andrew remembers praying, what am I going to do? And as he prayed, the Holy Spirit gave him a bold idea. Listen to this. Brother Andrew prayed, you know, I know that no amount of cleverness on my part can get me through this border search. Dare I ask for a miracle, Lord? Let me take some of the Bibles out and I'm going to leave them right here in the open. In the Bible, you made blind eyes see, but now I pray you will make seeing eyes blind. And the moment came and the guards ushered Andrew forward for inspection. And Brother Andrew remembered, I handed my papers through the window and I started to open the door of my vehicle. But for some reason, for some reason, the guard's knee was against the door and he pushed it back closed. Then Andrew said the almost unbelievable happened. And, and I say almost unbelievable because obviously God was at work here. The guard looked at Brother Andrew's passport and he gave it back without a word and he simply waved him on. Not even 30 seconds had passed in this dangerous encounter, he remembered. So he started up his car and slowly he began pulling away from the guard and the border crossing. He said, I coasted forward with my foot poised on the brake, ready to stop, but nothing happened. I looked out the rear view mirror. The guard had now turned back and was now waving the next car to stop. And he remembered this guard was now sternly indicating to that driver that he needed to get out of his vehicle. And there, Brother Andrew sat, a whole stack of Bibles right beside him, right on the front seat. God had once again made a way for Brother Andrew to bring all those Bibles, all those Christian materials to the Roman, uh, Romanian underground Christians who had no access to God's word. You know, talk about faithful service. Talk about obediently serving God. Talk about, as Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, being a living sacrifice. Paul pleads with Christians, you know, throughout all the ages to give our lives, our bodies, our minds to God because of all that he has done for us. He says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly faithful service as an offering to God. You know, Brother Andrew's faithful service has inspired hundreds, if not thousands, to do the almost unbelievable themselves with their lives as the Holy Spirit leads them and gives them a desire and the power to bring Bibles to dangerous places across the globe and also share the good news of the gospel in closed countries where Christian persecution is rampant. Brother Andrew's faithful service was, actually, was what actually started Open Doors Ministry that is now worldwide. You know, what an amazing legacy that Brother Andrew has left. And all because he was willing to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life and be an incredible, faithful servant, no matter what the cost. Now, I know stories like this can seem like the movies, can't they? I think most of us have never lived through any experience 
even close to that type of fear, that type of life-threatening situation. You know, here in Canada, of course, we, we mostly know of peace. And stories like this also, like Brother Andrew, can lead us sometimes to think, you know, we simply think, I could never do something like that. I could never be that trusting. I could never be that brave or daring. And then we just simply leave it at that. But this morning, I want each of us, each one here, to listen to what God is saying. Each one has committed their life to Christ. Take a moment to pray. Remember, as a follower of Christ, we are now his disciples, his students. Our commitment to him is to continue to grow and develop in our relationship with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to grow in us through his power, a desire to please God, to obey him. So first of all, I want each of us to take a moment to ask in our hearts, what more can I be doing in my life, in my family's life? You know, we actually had this very question in our small group discussion back in week one when we discussed the Great Commission, if you remember. How are we doing as a church in terms of the Great Commission? Are you doing all you can do through the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us? And how can we improve? I'm sure each of us can say there is room for more. More work, more power that the Holy Spirit can give us to reach the lost. You know, maybe you have been intimidated to reach out to your family member or neighbor or coworker or friend. You know, in thinking about Brother Andrew and how God worked in his life, this should not discourage us that we could never accomplish what he accomplished. Really, thinking of Brother Andrew, this should encourage us to make a step forward. Think of the danger he worked under. You know, we know nothing of this danger here in Canada. In a sense, it really doesn't take much courage here in Canada, especially in comparison to Brother Andrew's faithful service. So ask God to help you Speak to that coworker, friend, family member, neighbor. Ask the Holy Spirit to use you to impact at least one person. And I was just speaking to Pastor Andrew, our, our very own brother Andrew here on staff, the one that was recently engaged, and he uh, told me that what they are doing at youth to reach out to the community, to reach out to their friends and invite other youth to church. They are having an outreach night once a month with uh, something special, something fun, so those in youth can invite their friends. Have a great time together, hear the gospel message, and be able to connect with other youth in a small group setting that is not going to scare them away. So they are looking for some people, some families, or maybe even a small group to help provide a nice meal for the youth group once in a while on a Friday night, just one time. Maybe different groups can do this. So maybe that's something that you would be interested in doing, something that you could do to serve and to be a blessing to the youth group here at Cross Church and really help them bring young people to our church to experience the love of God, to hear the gospel message. Maybe this is something the Holy Spirit is giving you a, a, a desire to do. And regarding that person in your life that you know needs God, if you're nervous about what to do, well, the first step can be really simple, actually. No interaction even required. Your first step is to go to God and ask the Holy Spirit to open that person's heart and give you the opportunity and the words to say to them. Simply let them know that you go to church. The Holy Spirit can guide you and help you as you build 
your relationship. Uh, maybe that person tells you about something that's going on in their life that is giving them great anxiety or stress. Simply tell them that you will remember to pray for them. Pray about their situation. And of course, at some point, invite them to church. Ask them if they would consider coming. Really, we need to deeply consider the eternal future of people who don't know Christ. As I often say, the eternity of each person is at stake. I pray that our hearts desire as followers of Christ and out of a deep, reverent love of God, out of a genuine desire to be obedient to his word, that our faithful service to God would be an offering that is pleasing to him. Hey, we are packing shoeboxes. You've heard about this these four weeks here. Uh, You know, these shoeboxes each represent a gospel opportunity, an opportunity for a child to hear about Jesus. If you sense the Holy Spirit leading you in this, a desire to pack a box or give, don't delay, be obedient. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. He's giving you the desire and the power to obey God. And listen, one more request. You know, really, this is personal. On Tuesday, November 1st, 6 o'clock, it's our weekly prayer meeting. And that Tuesday, we will have a special emphasis as we will pray uh, specifically for the persecuted church around the world. It's going to be in person. We're going to have it right here. We will pray for Christians in countries that are experiencing persecution. And listen, in many instances, the persecution is very, very severe, all because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Approximately 360 million Christians are living in places with very high or extreme levels of persecution. One in eight Christians worldwide face persecution. One in every six believers in Africa and two out of five in Asia. And when we pray for the persecuted church, we don't just pray to end the persecution. Our main prayer is that God will strengthen the church in these very dark and difficult countries to be able to share, continue sharing the message of Jesus, even in the face of suffering for him. We pray, as Paul writes in Colossians 2, that their roots would be planted deep in Christ, that they would grow in him. Those being persecuted would get their strength from him by the power of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of such pain and suffering, again, that we in the West really have no concept of. You know, we're talking about loss of employment to start, but imprisonment, torture, kidnappings, forced labor, even death. Hey, if you're a Christian here this morning, I know the Holy Spirit is working and giving you a desire to make it out for a time of prayer to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering for their faith. You know, the writer of Hebrews 3, verse 3 says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And remember those brothers and sisters who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Hey, just imagine if the shoe was on the other foot, if the roles were reversed. Praying for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted is truly an offering to God, a faithful service to God, lifting up those who are literally putting their lives on the line for their faith in Christ. So come, pray with us, and we will lift them up to the one who can give them a desire and the power to continue running the race. And as Brother Andrew said, God can make the 
almost impossible happen. Amen. You know, let me read once again some of the verses from this morning in Philippians. And may I ask the, that you let the Holy Spirit truly speak to you through his word. You know, even let's take a moment, close your eyes as I read, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining the bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And Paul writes, I will rejoice even if I lose my life. I am going to pour it out like a liquid offering to God, and your faithful service is an offering to God. This morning, let's truly make our faithful service an offering that is pleasing to God. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, as your children, as your disciples, may our hearts be encouraged afresh this morning that you, the Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. And through your strength and power, you help us desire to do what pleases you. And I pray this morning our hearts will be challenged, inspired to desire to grow in our faith, to be used by you in a deeper way. I pray that each of us would heed God's warning to Cain and understanding that when we disobey you, when we neglect to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we refuse to do what is right, we are opening the door to sin, which is crouching at the door, eager to control us and steer us away from your will. Holy Spirit, help us to hear your voice, to be in the word and follow your leading and give you a pleasing offering of our lives. May we be used by you to reach those in our world that need to hear about the grace and the mercy and the love of our God. Go with us now, and I pray the Holy Spirit will stir in our hearts as we leave, reminding each of us that our faithful service, as your children, as your ambassadors, may our lives make a difference in this world for Christ. May we truly be a pleasing offering to you, Lord. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Tell someone, obey the Holy Spirit and serve God.